We're Jill and Jenna, sisters who believe that gut health is the baseline required to live your best life. But health is way more than that. So we've made it our mission to take a deep dive into gut health, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Interviewing experts, having real conversations, all while making sure all of the information is digestible. Welcome Welcome to to our our Gut Talk. Talk. Hello, Jenna. Hello, Jilly. We're back for another episode. Back at it again. You know, consistency has been a really big theme in our life recently. Mm -hmm. What did you say? Yeah, what were you saying when we were going to the gym? Oh, you were disappointed that we once again snoozed, (laughs) but we were still up and at them at 6.30 a.m. We were supposed to leave at 6.30. Right, and instead I was petting Duke in the bed, but we were awake. We were awake. But what you said to me was what matters is that we're being consistent about it and we're making tiny little steps towards progress. And you couldn't be more right. Thank you. We just finished our workout. Mm-hmm. We did cold plunge. Yes. And I recorded our podcast process, which we're going to put up on TikTok. Oh, good for you. Thank you. A nice little added bonus to this Friday. Amen. We are talking about our journey today, which I think is going to be very relatable, maybe give some people some comfort, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to mindset, things we wish we would have done differently. And in order to really get into it, I don't think we have any funny stories or anything to chat about today. I think this is really, we're, we're jumping straight into the meat and bones. The question we consistently get asked is our backstory. If we have new followers, people, if you're just listening, this is your first episode of Gut Talk. It's always the, what's the episode on your backstory? Because I think the story is, our story is one, relatable, as we know, based off of all of the DMs and messages and everything we get of people saying, I've dealt with this, this, and this as well in my past, or I'm currently dealing with it. And people want to hear, you know, why, how are we where we're at right now? Yeah, and I think we really don't talk about it that much. To us, it's a, it's really weird because we stay in the moment in the day-to-day on our social media, mm-hmm. but we realize that so many people come and they just jump right in. Mm-hmm. And I think we could be a little bit better about going back every now and then and reminding people because I think with marketing in college, you have to hear something, I think, 7 to 12 times sure. before it sticks. We definitely don't talk about it enough. So... Mm-hmm. Without any further ado, let's chat. Why the heck do we have Gut Talk in the first place? We have this platform. The intention behind it was to help people not go through everything we went through and and for the duration, right? Because for us, we had gut problems from the time we were in middle school all the way through college. And we never figured it out. We didn't even get close, really. Because the problem was is that there weren't people talking about it. And now today, in today's world of social media, that's different. There are more resources available. There are podcasts, TikToks, Instagrams. But at the time, there was none of that. And one of the first memories I have, I have sporadic memories, but one of the first memories I have is being in high school And just a really quick 30-second backstory on me in high school. I played really competitive softball. It's pretty much all I cared about. Didn't really care too much about being cool. I really didn't wear makeup. I went to private school, so we wore uniforms. And I ate lunch every single day for four years in my coach's office because the cafeteria was overwhelming. And I did have friends, but 
I just wasn't really interested in the gossip and things like that. You weren't special Sally like myself. No, we we were 180, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I would say if I was cool, it was only because of how good I was at softball. It had really nothing to do with my extracurricular activities of the weekend. You did have a bit of swag, if you will. I would say so. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I had IBS horrendously in high school. I mean, explosive issues almost daily. And that's not an exaggeration, Mm -hmm. if not more than once a day. And pooping as a 14, 15, 16 year old girl can be mortifying Mm -hmm. because you don't want people to know. And here I am trying to avoid the big bathrooms. I mean, I'm doing everything I can. And one day, so there was this girl and I was in a pretty big friends group. I would, I was on the outskirts, but I was in it. And there was one girl who had really bad stomach issues, and everyone else in the friend group made fun of her for it. And she was a really great sport about it, but to me, the idea was mortifying. And in my head, it was like, if they knew that I, too, had the same issue as her... You'd be out. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be on the outskirts. You'd be out. It wouldn't even be... It, that's not the concern. The concern was that they would talk about it. Oh. And the idea that I've gone from literally running across the entire school to go to the bathroom that I know no one goes to in like the random like janitor hallway closet to now having a podcast in which I talk about poop is quite literally the biggest turnaround. You accidentally manifested it. (laughs) Accidentally? Okay. You did. You're right. Think about it. But we knew every bathroom in Northern Virginia because at any point in time, We could have had to pull over. We could have had to immediately sprint into the nearest Target, Costco, Walmart, whatever it may be. It was mortifying, and we had no idea why it was happening. Did you want to seek help? I don't remember this. No, I think that... Did you get used to it? I think we thought dad took Tums every day Uh because he had a bad stomach Mm -hmm. and you got your dad's bad stomach. Mm -hmm. And I remember everyone saying, well, Mimi has some issues too. Oh, this is just genetic. Genetic. It's passed down. Yeah. Unfortunate. Sad for us. Right. So no, I think we saw terry who we ended up seeing years later Mm -hmm. we saw her when we were in high school Mm -hmm. and she was like gluten free and all these things and younger i mean it had been a 10-year gap i think really so maybe middle school Mm -hmm. i mean but it's not that we thought she was nuts we're just like we can't live that way we can't change our medicine wasn't at the forefront like it is now we just couldn't change our lives you want me to stop eating peanut butter and jelly for breakfast every day absolutely not now i know if i eat a peanut butter jelly buckle down right (laughs) But also, too, when you think about it, so every morning I had peanut butter and jelly. I was eating whole wheat bread, which was, we know at the time, was irritating my stomach. Mm -hmm. Skippy peanut butter. The oils and that bread. Oh, baby. No bueno. And probably a really sugary artificial jelly. Because we didn't know. How would we know? Right. No one was talking about it. Health at that point in time was low fat. Mm -hmm. No sugar. Sugar free. Right? Yeah. Like, we were drinking no non-fat milk. Yeah. And mind you, I won't, before we go into Jill's college years and how that progressed, I do want to say that when we were kids, and this is a big reason that I think potentially we carried on some intolerances and issues with us as we grew older, was we were given a lot of antibiotics as a kid due to chronic ear infections. And if you know anything about how antibiotics work, 
they wipe out that good gut bacteria. So when we're young and vulnerable and all of our good gut bacteria, not all, but a lot of it is being wiped out by antibiotics, you are left with a pretty wonky gut terrain. And I had chronic sharp throat too. Jill also had chronic sharp throat. So she was also taking antibiotics. But think about it. Why did Jill have chronic strep throat? There was something underlying. Your gut was probably not strong enough to support your gut and immune system. Right. To then fight off that. So it was honestly just this stacking of events. And one thing I want to say real quick is that your body obviously can help fight and repair, but we didn't have the tools to do that. And so I think it was this slow progression into IBS. I bet a lot of people listening also did what I'm about to say. Every single morning, our version of health was taking a Flintstone vitamin. <laughs> Again, mom, I know, I know mom, our (laughs) beloved Juge is the first person that listens to this pod. She's, she's, once again, what is it, punch in the ceiling? Right. But mom, you thought that that was the best thing to do for our health. (laughs) And for that, we thank you. God about that. But boy, have we come a long way since Flintstone vitamins. Gosh. Yep. So Jenna, before we go further in my story, what, so from high school, I really just remember the random, mom, I got to go to the bathroom right now. And sprintly, she would literally pull over, find the nearest store, and we would sprint to the bathroom and she would do this thing, which is funny because we know how much breath can impact your nervous system. Mm -hmm. She would literally be long, deep breaths, long, deep breaths and, and blowing cold air on me from like the car vent. That's really what I remember most from high school. That and just the constant humiliation. But no, I never thought, oh, we have to get this figured out. I never thought, oh, there's ways to fix this. That didn't really come until college when I started to have those questions. Yeah. And what Jill was saying, I had a lot of anxiety induced stomach issues. Yeah. I mean, as long as I can remember. My nervous system, for some reason, We don't need to go deep into details. I've honestly never figured it out. Not sure if I ever will, but I was a very anxious kid. A lot of my stomach aches were due to that mind-gut connection. I remember you used to have stomach aches before every soccer game. Oh, every soccer game. And my family, I know behind the scenes, were probably thinking, why? Just, it's not that big of a deal. But to me, it was this performance. Oh, dad used to get anxiety. Oh, yeah. But I think that everyone did a pretty good job of normalizing it for me like that's just Jenna right um but and that continued and I think that really made a huge impact on a lot of things when it came to my digestion because stress is such a huge huge factor um and I believe it's the number one thing that played a role in your stomach issues issues. you know what's funny is I remember dad being in the car we were probably in somewhere in Maryland Mm -hmm. and he goes you're already warming up, but mom might have said, like, oh, Jenna's stomach's hurting. We don't know if she's going to play or not. And dad's like, tell me how it is that only when she's going to play a soccer game is when her stomach starts to hurt. You know, it's like 7.40 a.m. on a Saturday. We've probably woke up at the crack of dawn in order to drive there. And dad's sitting here like, why the heck am I not on a golf course? Why am I watching my daughter warm up? But no one knew. Like, that's how crazy it is. I think in today's world, dad would be like, oh, of course, she's having anxiety. She needs to breathe. Like, we didn't have any of those tools. Oh, 
no, not at all. And I think that's probably what made it so much worse is I just knew that anxiety equaled stomach ache, equaled me on the toilet. And that was just this loop. But you didn't even know it was anxiety. No, exactly. I don't, I didn't know it was anxiety until I was age 16 when I finally went to a psychiatrist who then ended up putting me on Zoloft and prescribed Xanax and you were on Xanax? Well, I wasn't on it, but I could have it if I needed it. Oh. Um, and that is when it was the official diagnosis of anxiety, which to this day, I'm very disappointed in that diagnosis because I think I identified with it for a very long time. What would you have wished would have happened? I would have wished he gave me tools to help me instead of just throwing me on a medication, which again, I feel like we always have to have a side note. Medication honestly saved me many times. So if you're someone who's on medication, don't feel guilty about it. I think it has a purpose. But what I'm saying in my case is that I really wish he would have given me coping tools. There's so many different things you can do these days. There's levels you can test. I'm sure my magnesium levels weren't good. I know my vitamin D levels weren't good. You're just wishing that it wasn't the first attempt exactly to, jenna to you help. have anxiety here's zoloft instead of jenna you have anxiety here are x y and z you can do absolutely medication is an option but we let's test a few more things and that was never done so i was just given this label and i identified with it i took my medications and never really got to the root of why i was experiencing these things Again, I am a fan of medication if needed, but I do believe that there are alternative options. And the thing, too, is, like, if you knew Jenna in high school, like she mentioned a little while back, she was the life of the party. Mm -hmm. Jenna has one million trillion friends, and she did in high school as well. And so it wasn't like you could look at her in the cafeteria and be like, oh, that's an anxious kid. Right. I hit it pretty well. Yeah, it was definitely below the surface. It wasn't visible to the naked eye. Unless you were about to start a soccer game. And anxiety wasn't cute back then. I think now it's, you see on social media people, I don't think it's a brag, but I think it's a, maybe a coping mechanism or something. They share about their depression, about their anxiety, or it's like, uh, here's my, I just saw a recent trend that was saying something along the lines of, here's my nightstand and there's three different meds on it and other things. And I think people, like if I would have done that back, you would have never seen me do that back it's, when I was 16. It's definitely, it's definitely trendy to talk about depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. And I think a lot of it is coping, right? Like people use humor in order to sure. help them. Absolutely. But you're right. It definitely has become, it's a, it's like a hot button to press, yeah. I think. Let's move into college years. So we kind of just stayed static in high school, dealt with our issues, didn't really make many. I do actually recall, I did go gluten-free for a little bit. I had, so someone I. told me to yeah. do that. We, we were gluten-free. We were eating gluten-free pretzels. I was going to say, we Everything weren't... was gross. There was no siete back we then. We didn't change the way we ate. We just went to gluten-free versions. Mm-hmm. And Glutino was one of the first gluten-free brands Glutino. out there. But, Shout out. but the thing was, is like it didn't help because there were still all of those crappy ingredients. It was just gluten-free flour instead of regular flour. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason we didn't see the difference is we were still eating like primarily carbs. Yeah. Not good sources of proteins or fats. And so there were a lot of issues, but that was the first time we had scratched the surface on trying to figure out Change how. Change our diet to... Right. Hopefully see a different result. Right. 
And in college, I was gluten-free for at least my freshman year. I actually stayed gluten-free for a very long time because my friends used to make fun of me because I don't pronounce my T's well. So it was gluten, gluten-free. Uh, shout out to Gob because I know she will literally die. They used to, my friends used to make so much fun fun of me for gluten-free. <laughs> but it was really hard in college playing college softball and being gluten-free was difficult because they order sandwiches for you all the time. Mm-hmm. And a lot, again, this is 2013, a lot of restaurants didn't carry gluten-free bread. And so you'd get off the field an eight-hour softball day. You played a doubleheader. There's time in between games. There's two hours of warm-ups. And I got a sub in a tub, which is literally shredded lettuce with two (laughs) or three pieces of deli meat, some tomatoes, and some oil and vinegar. And let me tell you, it quite literally never hit the spot. Never once. I'm sorry. That sounds brutal. It was disgusting. But that caused me to once again snack on a lot of crappy things. Sure, it was gluten-free, but it was a protein bar that had a bunch of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Long story short, my IBS really didn't go away. and It got worse. It got worse. There was three major things in college. My IBS was horrific. I started throwing up. Now, the first time I ever threw up, I had a hamburger. Mom was with me. And a few minutes later, I was like, I don't feel good vomit it's the hamburger i hadn't digested it Mm -hmm. and sorry this is graphic if you get squeamish but i started throwing up pretty frequently but the weird part was is like when you throw up because you're sick you have the flu or something it's like a swirly whirly of everything in your stomach you could absolutely identify what meal i just eat in because i hadn't digested it it was just Mm -hmm. not going through i wasn't breaking it down Mm -hmm. in today's day and age like today I'd be like oh there's an issue I'm not breaking down the food mm-hmm. like that's t- at the time then I was just like oh okay my stomach doesn't like that but we couldn't find a pattern I threw up all the time and we went to a quote unquote I'm giving air quotes in the room world-renowned gastroenterologist he didn't take insurance insurance thank you and he went in there we had a two-hour meeting We talked all about my lifestyle and then did a little finger up the booty hole. Mm, The rectal exam. Exam. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And then he goes, yeah, you know, I think you're really stressed. We're going to put you on antidepressants. It's going to slow the signal of your brain to your gut. And I'm like, but I'm not depressed. Why would I go on antidepressants? It's like, oh, okay, no, no, it's it's fine. The, the brain-gut signal, we just want that to slow down a little bit. So I go on antidepressants. Well, imagine this. Someone who's not depressed going on antidepressants, it really messed with my mental health. And it didn't help my stomach whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm like, okay, if, if this is a world-renowned gastroenterologist and the only thing he prescribes is antidepressants, I'm screwed. And at this point, things were making my stomach so irritated that on a bus trip, fast forward to Duke, I mean, I'm still having these issues. I'm still gluten-free. So your entire duration, four years at UNC, you were essentially miserable. Well, and also on top of that, once I threw up, I felt great. So it's not like I felt like shit all day, every day. Mm -hmm. But when it hit, I was going to throw up. 
And then I was going to feel fine after. Like, I was still drinking in college. And also, too, I was humiliated. So, like, very few people knew I threw up because I thought people were going to think I was bulimic. And? Well, one more thing, too. I was not skinny. Mm -hmm. It's not like I was throwing up all my food, right? Like, I also, too, normally, after I threw up, I ate something else. So think about this, too. When you're not not absorbing the foods that you're eating, you're not getting the nutrients. So you're having a lot of other issues other than just puking. Well, and I had strep throat Mm -hmm. and bronchitis on an absolute wheel. Like, it was strep throat, got over strep throat, got bronchitis. Was okay for a month or two. Got strep throat. I mean, if anyone on UNC Chapel Hill campus had strep throat, I got it. Mm. And I actually ended up having my tonsils removed between my year at UNC and Duke. 14 days of absolute misery. But thank goodness I did because then I was fine. But when I was at Duke, it got really, really bad. I mean, I never felt good. And again, like when you're vomiting all the time, your body's exhausted. You're just, I'm not, I wasn't living a healthy life whatsoever. My body was almost not processing fats at all. It was really more than just fats. Your stomach acid was so depleted that it was not able to digest your food. And quick little lesson, your stomach acid is incredibly important. I've made a bunch of videos about this because once your food reaches your stomach, the acid is at a certain pH to then digest your food, to then pass it down along into your Small intestine, large intestine. Well, and what's interesting is, is fast forward, I ended up being okay. We went through this whole protocol that we can get to, but it's happened once more, once more after. And now that we know that it's stomach acid, you gave me a supplement that helps aid in stomach acid and ta-da, no more throwing up. Right. And so when you're hearing these, this story of Jill and we're going deep into Jill because she really had it bad for a very long time. I was kind of the sporadic stomach issues until after college, but I believe a huge factor in Jill's issues was stress. And the deplete stress depletes stomach acid. And I say this because you're sitting here and the question is always why? Why is this happening to me? And for Jill, we never knew, right? Because we were naive to what caused gut issues. But a lot of it is stress. A lot of it is things that deplete your stomach acid, like um, drinking a lot of alcohol, eating a lot of processed carbs, not having the proper nutrients, um, not eating in a relaxed state. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into it, and but these things were so perfect to line up to constantly having to perform at a high level, being in college athletics the pressure, the academics, academics on top of all of that, the not getting proper nutrients in the first place because you're eating this sandwich in a boat. And remember, sub boat, um, sub tub. Yeah, sub in a tub. Sub in a tub. But more than anything, also, I felt like I was living with this massive secret because no one was talking about it. Even more anxiety. Nothing, right? nothing makes me happier than how much they talk about anxiety and depression and mental health in collegiate sports today because it was a freaking nightmare. Mm-hmm. I look back and it's so bizarre how I could have so much fun on the weekends and in the summers and be so freaking miserable during the year. Yep. And that, I think, is a totally different episode, which I'd love to vent about someday, but... I was it, I was a living zombie. I really mm-hmm. was between the stress. And of course, like 
I have always had this mentality of I can always do more and I can always do better. And or to some level, that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I didn't just play a sport in college and go to a tough academic school at UNC. I decided to double major. And then I was helping the athletic department as a volunteer with the all the volunteers for volunteering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was helping lead that charge. Like mm-hmm. I was on I was on a gr- in a group that worked to do all of the volunteer stuff. I started volunteer programs on the softball team alone. Like I was doing all these things and then I was in a leadership academy. What the heck? No time to sleep, no time to breathe, no, no time to just I sit down sleeping. and relax. I mean, everything we know today that creates good health, I was doing none of those things. Mm-hmm. I look back and people always say like, oh, do you want your kids to be D1 athletes like you? Like, it's interesting how many people ask that question. And I think the answer is that I would want them to be good at something, like whatever they want to be good at, right. because I think that's important in life if you can be good at something to, to try. But if my kids were really good at sports and they want to be D1 athletes, I would do things so wildly differently. I can't, like, where do, where do we even start? We'd have to create a new podcast. It'd be gut talk and mental health sports talk because mm-hmm. there's so much that goes into it. But my, I think the thing to take away here is that there's so many factors that affect your health. And when you ignore those, your body taps you on the shoulder and they're like, hey, buddy, since you're ignoring it, we're going to remind you and we're going to remind you again and we're going to remind you again, hey, we're not going away. And that's what happened until well after college, even though I started working out all the time, I lost 15 to 20 pounds. I was aesthetically, I looked healthy. We go into my fit does not equal healthy realm because I still had all the stomach issues. My throwing up got better, but it didn't go away. Mm -hmm. And then my acne got really bad. I was sleeping really poorly. I was super anxious. And you know why? Because I never actually fixed the root cause issues. Mm Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because what, what happened with us is we finally figured out the root of every issue after we solved them. And I think if you're listening to this and you're struggling you and you're during the situation, you can start to put the pieces together in your life. Right. Right? Because it, we really started to feel better once we saw a practitioner. For Jill, it was the first one she went to. For me, it was the second one I went to. Once we started really diving deep and I went back into school to dive deep into digestion and things like that. But for a very long time, it was the, always the question, why is this happening? Right. Let's just, we'll just deal with it. Right. There's really nothing that we can do. Right. Yeah. I mean, the ingredients we were consuming, even though I was fit, were shit. Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting good sleep, which we know is absolutely key to your body restoring itself every single day. I wasn't eating enough protein. I was probably very hungry all the time. I was consuming pre-workout and really crappy protein powders. And this is after college. I mean, like, I don't think we have enough time to dive into all this stuff that I ate in college. But I was never fueling my body. I was never setting myself up for success. And if you look at the top athletes in the world, right, because their bodies are performing at an elite level, People like LeBron or Tom Brady came out a couple years ago and said the TB12 method. I mean, they are 
all doing the right things. They're getting the sleep. They're getting the recovery. They're fueling their bodies. All of this stuff, you can't, and this is why I get so triggered when I go on TikTok and I see some girl and she's talking about, oh, this one supplement, this one greens powder, this one this fixed me. No, it didn't. It no, didn't. That's a lie. You're lying. Yep. You're lying for an ad. Mm-hmm. It is a holistic, I don't want to be extreme, but I am, all or nothing approach. Mm-hmm. You can't spot fix health. Mm-hmm. What's not spot fix? What's the word? Spot treat. You can't spot treat health. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So that concludes my story really. When once I got out of college, honestly, the thing that really pushed me to go see a holistic practitioner is my acne got really bad. I went off birth control and I was probably experiencing post-birth control syndrome even though I didn't know it at the time, mm-hmm. which is really just like... That was essentially the cherry on top and you said... I I didn't want to leave the house. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'll do anything. And Terry does muscle testing and mm-hmm. I have said this multiple times. I thought it was like voodoo, mm-hmm. witchcraft. Mm-hmm. At that point, I didn't care. Do voodoo and witchcraft to me. But I'm not kidding you, within two weeks, my acne was 90% gone. My stomach was great. It was unreal, the changes that were made. And going into all of that will be can be another episode, but let's summarize it. Essentially, Jill started eating really foods that were working for her body based off of one, her genetic blueprint, and two, how her body was behaving at that time. Um, supplements that help support this whole journey that were specific to Jill. So it wouldn't help to tell you the exact ones because if Jill were to take these, that doesn't mean that you should. Jill and I took different supplements. Right. Um, Jill really started to focus on her health, her stress management. Really, again, the all-encompassing holistic approach to health that we all have to take in order to feel better. Right. So if you're listening to this and you're like, well, so what do I do then? Start really analyzing your health as a whole. Mm-hmm. Break it down. What- Listen to what we just shared and see or any of these things do you resonate do you resonate with the excess stress the never taking a break the excess consumption of processed carbohydrates the not drinking enough water the not getting enough nutrients the not chewing your food slow enough all of these things i can guarantee you you're probably not doing them all if you don't feel good right now And I'll say maybe once a year, twice a year, I have like a slip up or an, Mm -hmm. an, I call it an episode, but basically where for a few days, my stomach gets really irritated. It's a feeling that I know very well, but it's hard to describe, but it's normally after I've been drinking for a while or over consuming alcohol, going out to eat a ton where there's a lot of oils and things that are going to irritate my stomach, not getting enough sleep not moving, it's all the things, and probably really, really stressed. And the second I sit down for a second and say, why is this happening? I kind of laugh because I'm like, duh, of course. Exactly. Of course this is happening. What we always say, if you know better, you can do better. Yeah. So if you know what's causing it, you can then make those changes. And remember too. Easier said than done, but prep yourself. It's interesting because we were talking to a girl earlier today. She was talking about lifting, and she was saying that it's really hard for her to just lift to lift. And I think a lot of people have trouble 
becoming healthy to be healthy, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you're okay with your weight and your aesthetic appearance, which is the driver for a ton of people if they're not. But remember that this all builds on top of each other. I think it's important to understand what your why is in the first place. Well, and and really nail that down. But but no, but what I'm saying is that in my mind, in today's world, we need a why for everything. Your why is the fact that you have one body and this compounds. I'm not saying that if you're 65 years old and the doctor says, if you don't turn this around, you're not going to live to 70. You can most of the time, right? But my point is, why not now? Whatever age you're at now, why not start being healthy? Your body is a machine. It needs to be treated properly. Are you buying a Ferrari and then giving it crap gas, letting it hit the tree branches on the side of the road, jumping over curbs? Of course not. Why? Because it's super expensive. You wouldn't want to ruin something so high quality. Why do we do that to our bodies? No, I completely agree. You can buy a new car. You can't buy a new heart. I mean, I guess technically in today's world, you can get on a list, but... I don't understand why people don't want to treat their bodies better in today's world. And I think you realize, and this is what happened to us, and I'm sure you probably look back and think if your health was amazing, could you have performed better better as a softball player? Or Oh, I think about that more than anything. I don't have regrets because I didn't know better. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. So I couldn't have done better. But I think I would have had a completely different college experience and career had I known now what I knew then. Exactly. And so take that with what you're doing right now. If you feel better, can you do better at your job? Can you be a better friend, a better mom, a better uh, employee, employee, a better anything that you do? Can you be better at it if you feel better? And the answer is 100% yes. Now, Jenna, arguably, I had a tougher health battle, mm-hmm. but I think mine was more physical and yours was more mental. But I don't want to leave everyone hanging here because you talked about your stomach issues being more anxiety prone. You were prescribed medication, but then you went off to college. Yeah, and I was still on medication there. And honestly, I'll just give the brief synopsis because I like Jill's story, I think, is very, very relatable. I believe that mine is too, but... Hear me out. All of college, I was doing pretty well, but I was also binge drinking, again, not fueling my body properly. I did care about my health somewhat. I would cook for myself. I would go to the gym. I was trying to get sleep. I would always do tea before bed. I did have a routine going, but it got really bad at the end of college when I was drinking all the time with my friends. I mean, that's it was our thing, right? Like, all right, where are we going to next? Can we drink on Sunday? Let's do Tuesday. We're our seniors. Like, let's live it up. And that really, really, I mean, it was just everything. Anxiety, the gut issues started coming, the bloating. And I really just ended up being a mess to where post-college, I was bloat city. And again, I just wasn't breaking down my food. Then that because caused extra stress, all the bloat. And I'm giving you that really brief summary because, again, I think if we went into this, it would be a five-hour long conversation. But I ended up seeing the same person who Jill saw. I saw one person before. She gave me a great insight, but I don't think I was ready at that time. Yeah, you have to be ready. I really believe I was ready for Terry. Mm -hmm. And that, again, changed my whole life, my whole trajectory. She found it. 
you know, I, I really felt like I found what really worked for me. I started really focusing hard. And this was a little bit before COVID started. So Jill and I were lucky to have COVID as that real big reset in our lives. Well, yes and no. I mean, mine was mine was over a year before COVID. Okay. I actually remember the first time I drank after going to Terry was homecoming weekend for UNC. And a bunch of my friends were coming into town and I was doing things like bringing slices of turkey to the tailgates and I just did tequila sodas, soda water. Mm. And so I was drinking, but I wasn't doing all of the sugar and stuff like that. And I wasn't eating at restaurants. I was just eating my own food. I brought dried mango and I brought apple and almond butter and I felt so good and I was so proud of myself and I still like stomach-wise felt good. And if you're listening to this, and maybe you haven't picked up on this, but one thing I want to mention that we did is that we completely changed our lives. We altered various aspects of our lives, including bringing snacks instead of eating at restaurants. And basically, a lot of what our lives were was centered around the fact that we never wanted to feel the way that we did previously. So, If you're listening to this, think about things that you can start changing. Did we change everything overnight? No, but we made pretty epic changes that really changed the course of our life. And I keep saying change, 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 but that's what it it, it came down to. We had to completely overhaul things we were doing because our previous selves were not doing those things and our previous selves felt like shit. We were sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's what it comes down to. And sometimes I feel guilty by telling people, you need to do the work. And I don't mean to be saying this in a harsh way, but... No, be harsh. It's the truth. You have to do the work. Put the work in. Take care of yourself. Put your health first. Put yourself first. No, it's not selfish. How are you going to be that friend, the person you want to be to do other things if... You are not feeling good. If you are not your best self, you're not going to be the best friend that you can be or the best daughter or the best whoever. You have to start making changes. Nothing is going to change on its own if you don't take those steps. So I think we should end that there. I hope that was a good enough backstory for you guys to get the gist of kind of how we then started creating Gut Talk Girls, posting about our issues, um really overhauling every aspect of our life in order to feel the way and perform and and be the people that who we want to be. It's a continuous work in progress. But goodness, if you told ourselves three years ago where we would be, we would tell you that you were lying. There you have it. There you have it. Jenna, always a pleasure. Same here, Sister Sledge. We're saying bye like we're not about to hop in the same car to go to the same apartment. But bye to you guys. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to our Gut Talk. Talk.